Everybody, welcome back for episode two of Scriptures Revealed. And as you know, last week we started our journey through the book of Ephesians and going through uh, this book. But before we went start with chapter one, verse one, we are going through the backdrop of how Paul established this church, how what Paul encountered as he began to build this church, what was the the spiritual uh, temperature, the culture of the church of the of, of the city that he established the church in. Because I believe if we gain an insight of the backdrop of how Paul established the church, what was the condition of the church and the city in that time, we're going to gain a better insight into why Paul wrote the book of Ephesians and to the flavor of the book and to the intents and the purposes of the book and better understand the culture of the people who he was writing to. So uh, last week we um, walked through and we learned that the book of Ephesians does not start with chapter 1 verse 1. The book of Ephesians actually starts in Acts chapter 19 and there we learned that uh, Paul went into the city and when Paul got to the city of Ephesus there were disciples already there but all they knew or was aware of was the doctrine of the baptism of John which was a baptism of repentance so they knew only thing they knew about God and how to have a relationship with him was that we I have to understand repentance and we must repent and repentance is fundamental repentance is imperative repentance is necessary but there is more to God and there is more to building a relationship with God and there is more to the kingdom of God than repentance but if your relationship with God is based on nothing else but repentance then you're going to eventually find yourself living life in guilt and shame and condemnation uh, uh, another addendum to that is when you look at even unbelievers who have been churched or religious unbelievers because there is such a thing and, or people who have raised in church but they don't follow the ways of the kingdom the ways of God the ways of, of the king uh, when they don't do that you're going to find out that they are very well versed in repentance they know to repent as a matter of fact, it's very common to find unbelievers who say, you know, I know I need to repent and God, I'm sorry for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Or, you know, God, you know, forgive me for that or forgive me for this, because forgiveness is like the door of a house. It's like the door. of a, If you're looking at a house, repentance is the door or, or repentance is, is, is the, the front porch area. So repentance is, is has access to any and everybody. Everybody knows that, you know, God is holy. God is righteous and and, and they need to say something sorry and they need to repent and they need to ask for forgiveness but if you live your life on the outer courts if you live your life on the porch you're never going to experience all that God has for you in the house there is a a, a an abundance of provisions in the house. You'll never get to all of the food that's in the kitchen. You'll never get to all the entertainment that's in the living room. You'll never get to the relaxation of the bed. You'll never get to all of those amenities in a house if all you do is stay on the porch. And that's exactly what happens when we are building a relationship with God. That if all we do is park our lives in the place called repentance then we are never going to enjoy the amenities of the kingdom of God. And there are those, though there is available. And so we walk through uh, the Acts chapter 19 and we learned those things. And we learned also that, um, uh, 
Paul opened up and he began to preach the kingdom of God to them and began to show them that there is a way to break cycles. There is a way to break out of bad habits. There is a way to break out of generational curses. There is a way to rise above the things that have held you down and held you captive in years gone by or in seasons passed on. There is a way to live the victorious life. But the way to live it is to start it in repentance, but to progress into the kingdom through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the the Spirit of God empowering you, infusing you with the grace you need, the power you need, the unction you need to rise above the things that have been trying to hold you down. There is victory available for you. And so we walk through that and we learn that, that Paul wanted to make that available to the disciples that were in the city of Ephesus. And so we learned that once Paul was able to liberate them from the guilt, the shame, and the condemnation, and and help walk them through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and, and began to persuade them and teach them the kingdom of God, there was an arena of miracles. So in other words, Paul realized that when he got them past repentance... When he got them past saying, I'm sorry, past saying, forgive me, he was able to introduce to them the kingdom of God in a light they had not known before. And once they got understanding of the kingdom, he was able to show them the culture of the kingdom. And the culture of the kingdom of God is miracles. And so in Acts 19, we saw Paul doing special miracles in that city, uh, unusual miracles, that, because miracles is a sign that the culture of the kingdom is being manifested manifested or demonstrated in an area. If I want to know if the kingdom of God is being revealed somewhere, I'm going to look for the miraculous. I'm going to look for the miraculous. It is a culture of the kingdom. And so we see miracles there. And then we ended last week um, briefly running through the five spiritual war tactics that Paul used when he got to the city of Ephesus, because we learned that Ephesus was a city filled with demonic activity, filled with demonic influence, filled with demonic idols. Uh, 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 the city of Ephesus and the people there, they were obsessed with demons. They were obsessed with magic. They were obsessed with idolatry, uh, particularly the worship of, Di- of Diana. That was the idol that was there. So there was demonic activity going on there. There was magic going on in this city. There was idolatry going on in this city. And throughout all of that, We don't see Paul doing some of the spiritual warfare things we see done today. But there are five things we do see Paul doing, and it is a war move. It is a war tactic, pushing back the forces of darkness, taking authority over the forces of darkness, and establishing the kingdom of God. Because Jesus taught us that when you go into the strong man's house, you've got to first bind the strong man, and then you can spoil his goods. So in other words, when you go into a city that's bound by demonism and that has the demonic activity and influence going on everywhere. Idolatry is everywhere. Magic is everywhere. Uh, The worship of self is everywhere. When you go into an area like that, in order to be effective in advancing the kingdom, you've got to bind the strong man. And there are five things we learned last week that Paul did that was effective in binding the strong man. And those things are not, again, what we commonly think they are. I'm going to run through those five things again, and then we're going to move forward so that we can jump into this wonderful book and find out what's available for us in the book of Ephesians. But the five war moves or the five war tactics that Paul used, uh, we notice is number one, he, it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Ghost was a war move 
for Paul to advance the kingdom of God. That was Paul's way of binding the strong man. Because the more men or women or boys and girls I can get baptized with the Holy Ghost, the more I'm taking ground for the kingdom of God. So the baptism of the Holy Ghost was a war move for him. Number two, preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. Preaching and teaching the kingdom. If I could, if I can grab a hold, Paul understood that if I can grab a hold of the hearts and the minds of a people and convert them over and make them think kingdom thoughts and make them feel kingdom feelings and make them be persuaded by kingdom motives and intentions, then I am making a war move. I am in turn binding the strong man by preaching and teaching the kingdom. Number three, a war move was miracles. Paul understood that if I if I walk in miracles, I perform miracles. The, I, this is my way of binding the strong man. It's his way of binding the strong. It was a war move because when you do miracles again, it's it is a part of the culture of the kingdom. And the more I release the culture of the kingdom of God, the more I am binding the culture of the kingdom of darkness. So we've got to operate in miracles. It's a spiritual warfare tactic. Number four. He understood the spirit of the fear of the Lord. We're looking at chapter 19, and you're going to learn there. And I hope you all are reading these chapters and reading these verses outside of this, because I want the word of God again to change us, to transform us, to conform us to the image of, of Christ, because the power of the word is the power to transform your life. And so in order for that to happen, you've got to eat on it yourself. You've got to meditate on it yourself. You've got to study it yourself. You've got to just feed upon the word on your own. So I hope you walk through at at chapter 19 between now and last week. But the spirit of the fear of the Lord, you're going to see in, in Acts 19, that grip that city. Because when the when the fear of the Lord is there, that is a war move. Because where people fear, honor, reverence, respect God, they're not going to obey demonic forces and the kingdom of darkness. But the people will have an allegiance to the kingdom of darkness if there is no honor for the king of the kingdom of God. But when the spirit of the fear of the Lord grips a place, that is a war move. That is a war tactic for the kingdom. And number five, Paul simply, all he did was exalt the name of the Lord. He simply exalted the name of the Lord. And the more Jesus is exalted, the more his enemies are are shown to be who they really are, defeated foes under the feet of Jesus. And there is no greater name than the name of Jesus. The Bible says that that name every knee should bow and every tongue must confess. So how does that happen? I exalt his name. And every time I exalt his name, a knee must bow. Every time I exalt his name a tongue must confess so that's why that's a war move for the kingdom of god so that's what we learned last week about uh paul building that church now this week i want us to better understand paul's apostolic commission and paul's apostolic uh uh, mandate on his life because I think you, we will not be able to understand the intent of Ephesians without understanding the intent of Paul's apostolic offers. Paul had a particular calling on his life. He had a particular grace on his life. And the book of Ephesians is an apostolic letter from the Apostle Paul to the church of Ephesus. And Paul had a particular grace on his life. And I think it's important that we understand the grace and the anointing and the power and the mantle of this man so that we better understand where as we're reading the book of Ephesians, number one, we learned last week that as we read the book of Ephesians, as we're studying it, what we're really studying is how to live the victorious Christian life. 
That's what we're really studying. Is everything in the book of Ephesians is going to help us become more victorious, help us become overcomers, help us push back the forces of darkness that are keeping us in cycles, that are keeping us in generational curses, that are keeping us uh, in, in modes of bad habits. Everything that you think is making you not look like Christ, the book of Ephesians is going to give us the keys necessary for us to be conformed to the image of Christ. Now that is wonderful all by itself. That's enough to make me hungry. I hope it's enough to make you hungry for the word of God that is in the book of Ephesians. That is going to help us move forward and becoming more conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now today, I'm going to give us reason number two of why we need the book of Ephesians and what we are going to find or discover in that book. Now, uh, we learn in, in Ephesians, or we learn actually in, in Acts, but through all of the letters that Paul writes, Paul talks, uh, calls himself an apostle of Jesus Christ. He calls himself that, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, while I'm going to give you a brief definition of what an apostle is so that we can understand who Paul is to the church in Ephesus. He wasn't, he wasn't a pastor. He wasn't the, the, Ephesus, uh, the church of Ephesus pastor. Paul wasn't an evangelist. I know he went on missionary trips and he traveled and, 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 and went various places, but he wasn't an evangelist to the church. He wasn't uh, in the office of the teacher to the church, even though he taught them the kingdom of God. He wasn't he didn't sit just in that office. That's not how he was or he related to that church. He related to that church as an apostle. And an apostle is simply this. An apostle is a commissioned officer of a deity sent to retrieve a nation, a time, a people, or a territory and return them to their rightful God. I'm going to give you that definition again because I'm convinced that a lot of what people understand apostles to be is not what I just said. So I'm going to give you that definition again. What is an apostle? An apostle is a commissioned officer. Of a deity. So watch this. Apostles are not unique to Christianity, just like prophets aren't. You can be a prophet of God or you can be a prophet of hell. You can be a, a, a prophet of, of the president. You can you gotta understand what the office is. These are the but so the office of the apostle is not unique to Christianity. You can study this on your own, but I assure you there were apostles before the twelve apostles of Jesus Christ. He didn't make up the term. He used the term or utilized that term. So what is an apostle? Is a commissioned officer of a deity sent to retrieve a nation, sent to retrieve a time, sent to retrieve a people, or sent to retrieve a territory and return them to their rightful God. There is always a battle going on. And there, there has always been throughout the ages wars going on. There's been a war always over a nation. There is a war going on over time. There's always been a war over a people. There's always been a war over a territory. And what Jesus Christ has done, Jesus Christ, through the power of God, has come. And the Bible says that he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And the Bible says that now all power and authority resides to him. So what Jesus Christ does is he commissions apostles. He commissions officers of the kingdom to go in and retrieve nations. Because now they should belong 
belong to God. So nations should belong to God. Time should belong to God. People should belong to God. Territories belong to God. But God commissions apostles to go in and retrieve those things to and return them to their rightful God. So the job of an apostle is to turn. It's to turn. It's to retrieve and return. To retrieve what rightfully belongs to the Lord God Almighty. You belong to the Lord God Almighty. Time belongs to the Lord God Almighty. Territories belong to the Lord God Almighty. And apostles are commissioned to retrieve and return those things to their rightful God. Now let's gain insight into Paul's apostolic commission. Uh, And we're going to the Acts chapter 26. And we're going down to verse 17. And again, this week I'm using the English Standard Version. So Acts chapter 26. And we're going to look at verse 17. Uh, Actually, let's get some background. Let's actually go up to um, verse 12 and let's look at some background here. It says, in this connection, I journeyed. Let's actually go up to verse 12 here and let's get some background here. It says, in this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven. So Paul is, is in turn, he's given his defense before Agrippa. And, and, and if you read this, you're going to learn that Agrippa says, you know, you almost convinced me to be a Christian. You almost convinced me, Paul, as Paul begins to give, tell his testimony of his conversion. So that's what we're jumping in on here. And so at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you. Now, this is where we're getting insight. Verse 17, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. Send you. Remember the definition of an apostle? A commissioned officer of a deity sent to retrieve a nation, time, people, or territory and return them to their rightful God. So he says, I'm delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. What am I sending you to do, Paul? Verse 18, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. This is Paul's apostolic commission. This is Paul's apostolic mandate. To do these things. Let me read them to you again. I'm sending you Paul to open their eyes. So in other words. If this is Paul's apostolic mandate. If this is it. That means that when we read the book of Ephesians. When we read that book. We are going to gain insight that Paul is in turn. Trying to open our eyes. You you get this? When we read through the book of Ephesians, Paul is trying to open our eyes for what purpose? So that we could turn from darkness to light. Any area in your life that is infiltrated by darkness, by the spirit of darkness, by by things that aren't clear, 
things that are cloudy, the spirit of confusion, the spirit, the spirits of perversion, the the spirits of lack, the spirit of of infirmity, all of these spirits that come from the from the kingdom of darkness, from the power of darkness. Paul says, I'm I'm writing part of my mandate, part of the grace and the anointing on my life is to open people's eyes so that they can turn from darkness. So part of the grace, a part of the anointing that is on the book of Ephesians is to open your eyes, to turn you from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. God. So these, it is, So what is the anointing that's on the book of Ephesians? It's also going to help you again break out of those bad habits, break out of those cycles that the enemy has held you captive in. There's an anointing on that book. See, in order, in order to get, I believe the word of God is so rich, so full of power, so full of influence, so full of victory that we've got to learn how to access the power that's in the word. The word of God is anointed. You get that? The word of God is anointed. And we've got to learn to identify the, the particular anointings that are on different scriptures, different books, different verses, and then access that anointing by faith. So there is an anointing because Paul is the apostle that wrote it. There is an anointing on the book of Ephesians to break you out of habits. There is an anointing on the book of Ephesians to break you out of cycles. There is an anointing on the book of Ephesians to open your eyes and to turn you from darkness to light. There is an anointing on the book of Ephesians. Watch this that they may receive forgiveness of sins. There's an anointing on the book of Ephesians to help you live a forgiven life. I mean, that is amazing. As we go through the book of Ephesians, there's an anointing on it. I mean, a heavy apostolic anointing on that book to move you into living a forgiven life. I don't have to live in guilt. I don't have to live in shame. I don't have to live in condemnation. I am forgiven. I am washed in the blood. I am cleansed. And the more I meditate and the more I live forgiven, the more I won't live bound. And I won't go back to the vomit of my sins. And I won't go back to the past and the history of my abundance. But I'm going to live free and I'm going to live victorious and I'm going to live life like more than a conqueror because that is what a forgiven life looks like and Paul says this is the anointing that's on my life so therefore is the anointing on everything I write and then he says and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me there is an anointing on Ephesians to help us live the sanctified life it is there's an anointing on it there's a grace on it to help us live the saint, a sanctified, surrendered life. Beautiful, beautiful book. Beautiful book. Now, let me go back. So that, that gives us insight into why the, the anointing, the mantle that was on Paul. I want to go back to Acts 20. Acts 19, we hit last week. This weekend, uh, Acts 20, Paul, before he leaves the city of Ephesus, he gives them insight, of, some prophetic insight about what's to come um, because between Acts 19 and 20, Paul is building the church in Ephesus. He's establishing the church. He's establishing elders in it. He's making it a strong church. By the time we get to the book of Ephesians, uh, there's about seven to eight years that have passed. So between Acts 19 and 20 to Ephesians chapter 1, seven or eight years has passed. But the, the, the wonderful, interesting thing about that is that Paul gives them insight that I'm getting ready to leave and I'm going to tell you guys what to look out for, what to beware, what you need to do, and then we run into the book of Ephesians. So, so let's look at that. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Uh, yes, verse 17. Now when Miletus 
now formalites, excuse me, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. And how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. Interesting. Paul goes through and says, you know, the persecution I went through, you know, the, you know, the warfare I went through and, you know, the warfare tactics I used to keep advancing the kingdom. Testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what would happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not count my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. All right, we're going to insight here. Now, in a minute, Paul is going to get ready to give us insight about what to look out for uh, in the city of Ephesus. So uh, Paul says, but I want you to know that my ministry is to testify and, and to proclaim or testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That means when we read through the book of Ephesians, we're going to gain insight about the gospel of the grace of God. So that's something else we're going to learn. 20, verse 25. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know, watch this, verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish every one of you with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul gives them insight and he says, guys, I'm getting ready to go to Jerusalem and I know my life is about to end. But I want to tell the people in the church of Ephesus this. There are wolves that are getting ready to come and they are going to try to come in and devour you how how do you how are you devoured you're devoured through bad doctrine you're devoured through uh getting in works and not allowing the spirit of grace to lead and guide you and empower your life you get it uh, you get devoured by the wolves when you put your attention on things that have nothing to do with the kingdom of god and so paul says the wolves are coming but i'm going to i mean i'm going to jerusalem but I'm, I'm praying and I'm telling you all to pay attention to these things. Pay attention. So that by the time we get to the book of Ephesians, Paul is helping the elders of the church of Ephesus pay attention and look out for wolves. To pay attention and look out for wolves. Look out for bad doctrine. Look out for, for things that will pull you, uh, pull you astray. So we're going to learn through the book of Ephesians that it is a safeguard against bad doctrine. Now, I said here that Paul... Paul's anointing as an apostle was to help turn people from the kingdom of darkness to light, to bring them into a place of obedience and allegiance. But the, but the important thing to remember 
is that it's hard to submit. It's hard to surrender to a God you do not believe love you, loves you. It's hard. If love is not involved, it makes it hard. You know why obedience is hard? Obedience is only hard when you question that it's the best route to go. And, it's the, and you question if it's the best route to go if you don't trust that person actually loves you. But if you can trust their love, you can trust their decisions. You can trust them with you. You can trust them with your life. And that's exactly what Paul is endeavoring to get over to the people in the church of Ephesus. That God loves you. God loves you to return them. Remember, to return them to their rightful God. God wants you. God desires you. He is passionate about you. God, but watch this, you will never surrender to a loveless God. You will never surrender to a loveless relationship. And you will never surrender to a loveless future. So the more in love you are, the more surrendered you will live. The more you fall in love with Jesus, the more you will live a surrendered life to him. And that is part of Paul's apostolic commission is to get people to surrender to the Lord, get people to turn everything over and live a surrendered life to the Lord Jesus Christ. So the book of Ephesians is is doing what then? The book of Ephesians is also going on a quest to cause people to fall in love with Jesus. Paul is going on a rampage and getting the people in that city to fall in love with him. You're going to see that over and you. That's why you're going to see love pop up over and over and over again in the book of Ephesians. Because Paul is trying to get people to fall in love with Jesus. Because the more you fall in love with him, the more you will surrender to his will, to his plans, to his purposes for your life. And you will live the victorious, overcoming, conquering life. Now again, this week I am already out of time. But I believe between last week and this week, we have laid the groundwork and the foundation of why the book of Ephesians was written, how the people were, how the culture was, what Paul is after in writing this book. And next week, we're going to start our journey in the book of Ephesians and learning these things that Paul uh, is so... Uh, I'm just telling you, the book of Ephesians is so full of riches and secrets and hidden gems. And we're going to plow through them, uncover them, and open the door for ourselves to move into a tremendous, victorious Christian life. And then it's all going to happen as we fall more in love with Jesus. And it is going to be impossible not to fall in love with the Jesus Paul unveils to us in the book of Ephesians. So thank you guys for joining me again this week. I will see you next week as we continue our journey through the book of Ephesians, through the book that's on a quest for more lovers of God. See you all next week.